Welcome to Playing With Fire, the podcast for people who are ready to custom build their love. We're talking about non-monogamy, however you design it, as an individuation opportunity. Want to leave the default and make your life spectacularly you? You're in the right place. Let's talk about the mono mind. The mono mind. Yeah. I... There's a lot of conversation that happens around the transition, the transition from being monogamous to polyamorous or monogamous to non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, we participate in that conversation, but that conversation's happening all over the place, and I, I do love it. And <laughs> um, it doesn't happen all at one, in one fell swoop, and it often doesn't happen just because someone starts behaving in alignment with non-monogamy, oh, right? There's a I see. there are there are external behavioral actions, and then there are internal psychological actions that happen. And making that transition out of the mono mind into um, a paradigm of multiplicity, uh, well, it's not always easy. And sometimes it's years before someone even realizes. It was. It was four years for me before I realized that even though I had totally embraced, I was living with, you know, a, a more than one partner, I had embraced polyamory. But I was solving all my problems from a monogamous mindset. Oh, that's what you mean by the mono mind. I was approaching all of my relational standards and how I felt and how I like how I felt okay, whether things felt safe, all of it. I was still led by this monogamous paradigm that was, it was both the water I was swimming in, but it was also what existed within me. Like it was, it was my reality. It was my internal reality. It was how I structured and frameworked my idea of, of relating And I, and it was invisible to me like water to a fish. It was invisible to me because it was all I'd ever known. And then I learned some new language and I learned the language, but it didn't magically transform everything. It's not like the, the day I realized that I, I was, um, I was definitely down with polyamory. It's not like magically that changed and transformed every relational framework I'd ever had. Yeah. So how did you notice that you were approaching things from a monogamous mindset. Nothing worked. Everything was broken all the time. All the time. Ah, that. Yeah. I I mean, it was actually that you and I were fighting every single mm-hmm. day. Every single day. Oh, yeah. Um, and we were doing so much work. We were doing all this work on our relationship. And we had counselors and we were reading and we were doing all this work and we were even like writing down how much time we were spending what we thought working on the relationship. But I was not doing the internal work that I needed to to deal with my shit, the stuff that was stopping me from making the transformation. And this was a place where you and I were coming at things very differently because you had more inherent non-monogamy as well as experience practicing non-monogamy um so you well i wouldn't say that you were you know like done with the mono mind because uh, no. i mean definitely here not. you are you know living in this culture it's it's hard to unpack that and nobody had presented you the idea as far as i know to unpack like to really no. unpack that but still there is some like quality of you that's like 
how I experience you as being sort of inherently non-monogamous. Like even when you behave incredibly monogamously, you have this like core self that just seems to align, um, that like seems to hold your, your values and your principles and your identity just seem to like slot right in to the, mono- the non-monogamous paradigm. That's how I experience it. I don't know how you do. Something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I don't. I don't make a lot of decisions day to day. Like I'm not revisiting the decision of is this working? It's like this is just where I come from uh, in my worldview for whatever reason. Uh, that said, um, of looking at it, looking back at it now, of course we were fighting every day. It's incredibly stressful to act according to one set of principles and be feeling another. It's incredibly stressful. So some of those fights weren't about anything either of us was doing. It was just an expression of the tension within each of us individually of, oh, my God, I'm I'm doing this, but it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And I want all this energy comes out. I want to take a lot of responsibility because I. I was, you have taken a lot of responsibility for the, the stuff um, that happened, that went down, that was um, uh, power over. It, it was not oh, healthy Lord, yes. power dynamics. <laughs> no. But I was experiencing massive internal conflict every second of every day and didn't know it, didn't know how to name it. And instead, I was, I was talking about my hatred of monogamy all the time. And I use that as a stand-in for unpacking my own mono mind. And that fucked me up. It did not help. It actively stopped me from doing the deeper internal work that I needed to do. Yeah. And kept me locked in a battle with myself because I, parts of me were hating other parts of me. Right. And, and, and knowing- I didn't even know it. It's not like there was no, there was no announcement. No flyers were posted. There was no, like it, I, but but as soon as I saw this, it was, it was like glass shattering. It was like a bucket of cold water. It was, it was one of those game changing moments of, oh no, oh my God, this is why everything's broken. Yeah. And it's me. Hi. Hi. I am the problem. Yeah. It's me. Um, because while you were approaching things from a, 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 paradigm that had a natural multiplicity, a natural sense of seeing things from multiple perspectives, of many paths up the mountain, of um, of having multiple relationships being a, a perfectly reasonable thing for a human to need. Yep. I was like, uh, I, I, w- I, w- I want to fuck more than one person and I keep falling in love with them and this is scary and parts of me feel really fucked up about that and it's really bad and also I really need to and, I, and this is really... And, that's, I was. that's incredibly, incredibly stressful. Yes. That kind that's like cognitive emotional dissonance. It's not just cognitive dissonance. It it was. It was cognitive emotional dissonance. And it was so painful that I was experiencing psychological splitting. Yeah. I was starting to split mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. um unconsciously. I was experiencing this this fragmentation. And I I was already I think I was about a year into two years. No, I was two years into studying psychology seriously, like every day in school and university before I realized that 
that this is what was going on. I like got this inkling. And when I got it, I still didn't see how it was about our relational paradigm. I kept thinking that I was splitting and fragmenting over stuff that had happened during the time that I was getting my divorce and loss of friendships and um, the, the trauma that had happened around having no access to financial safety or security in any way. I thought it was that. And those things definitely were all adding up to be a, a sense of instability. But... Then there was this internal hatred of myself um, that I can only name that from here. But I want to try to describe it because I see it happen for so many clients. And on the other side of another 11 years, um, I feel very differently. I feel how I have uh, been able to sh- shed sit down, unpack, untangle uh, some delicious metaphor for um, getting out of the bind of the monogamous mindset, right? This bind that had me trapped thinking that I needed my partner to point their monogamous gaze at me. I needed my, my partner I still, I was still thinking of you as like you, I was thinking of you as this, like this person, this partner, this, this one, I need your monogamous gaze at me. I didn't call it monogamous gaze. Mm -hmm. No, because I hated that word. Remember? Um, No, I need all your attention. I need your focus on me, but also I, I want non-monogamy and I want to be open and how, how could I want this thing from you, but also want to be open for myself? How, how is that even possible? It, it is an interesting thing from, from my point of view to remember those times. And a clearer thinker than I would have noticed that you were re- like really, really requiring, requiring is not the right word. You, you were asking, you very clearly I was asking. Demanding. demanding, but it was still requests. Um, but they were not cool. But they were requesting they were cool. re- requesting all of this attention from me. Like constantly. Yep. yep you, yeah, that, constantly. The, the monogamous gaze, um, uh, you know, applied in this non-monogamous circumstance. Okay. So, uh, and then also you would say, so why aren't you dating? <laughs> A clearer thinker would have said, hang on. Something's going on here. <laughs> right. And the thing was... Dissonance much? The, uh, is it, yeah. Yeah. And, so and parts there's the of dissonance. Me, there's... I think, you know, so, so parts language can help here. So parts mm-hmm. of me were very on board with the, the mindset of multiplicity and with polyamory and wanted you to be out dating and having new experiences and having all the things. And parts of me were like, fuck no. I want all of you to myself and also don't tell anybody about that. <laughs> it, it's yeah because there was shame, right? right? So yeah. then there's shame between these parts. And, and I'm guessing that one of the reasons that you wanted me out dating was to help shore up the idea that it was okay. Right. It's, so it's super yeah. complicated. I wanted all of your attention, but I also wanted to identify as non-monogamous and I wanted to date other people. And also I wanted somehow for you to point all of your attention at me, but I didn't want to point all my attention at you, except when I did, it was really, really yeah, uncomfortable. It was, it was messy and uncomfortable. And, and then, 
And then there was the, um, then we got into the really messy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, things got messy. So, okay. A few things, a few things happen. And some of these things happened to me in different orders, but I see a lot of stuff happen with my clients. So I'm wondering who out there is listening and hears themselves reflected here. Um, please comment on the podcast or, um, or reach out to admin at JolieHamilton.com and let me know. I'm very curious what's going on for folks. So it's one thing to delight in the, the monogamous gaze being pointed at you. You feel like you have all of someone's attention, just pour it all over you and you, it, it can feel really delicious. And one of the things that I see come up for people there is that they, they kind of want that, but they also want to provide that to mm -hmm. their partners. Like the monogamy paradigm is, it's dug in, it's planted real deep. Its roots go really, really deep. And so, so what happens is they start splitting into what I call a bifurcated monogamy. So this isn't about being bigamous, really. Um, there might be overlap, but that's for religious scholars to talk about. That's not, that's not my deal. Bifurcated monogamy is a phenomenon I see happen when people are entrenched in the idea that monogamous love, monogamous connection is really correct. It's right. It's better. Yeah. It's high. Yeah. It, it is better. And so they start splitting enough to have two partners, but basically reproduce a monogamous feeling connection a often they'll talk about being soulmates they'll be like really deeply monocentric connection with two different people um often they one or more of these people is monogamous themselves um and so there's this that can actually bolster the sense that no 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 this is like this is like just another version of monogamy, except often people are also really interested in the language of polyamory. So they'll start talking about polyamory and multiplicity and being open. But and practically, it's kind of a part-time monogamy. Yeah. I'm going to be monogamous with you for a little while. And I'm going to go to my second monogamy. Right. And I'm going to work there for a little while and... Yeah, so I see yeah. people do this with, sometimes it's, they have a couple local partners and they start splitting their time in these different ways and drawing, doing some pretty um, impressive machinations to keep these worlds from overlapping. A lot of times there's a lot of, a lot of parallel sense, right? Uh, rather than a, a, a more kitchen table or, or garden party um, polyamory going on. Though it doesn't mean that just because you have po parallel doesn't mean that this is what's going on. Um, but there's often a parallel nature, like these, these lines can't meet. And it's not the metamors that don't want to meet. It's, it's the person at the hinge who's like keeping their, their world, their imagination segmented, split, right? If you split that imaginal space now, okay, no, I can be completely, I can be lost and over the moon and over the top and, and I can be your soulmate over here. And then I can also experience that over here. And so you can satisfy the strictures of monogamy in yes. both places. But if they come together, you can't anymore. Right. They and have to say split. Yeah. And this was something we found happen yeah. when we moved in. Yep. When you were married to someone else and I moved in with you, you noticed this because I saw you try to 
do some of that splitting over <laughs> I, and over I again really at did. the beginning. I tried really trying hard. to create those parallel universes. We were all living in one house. You can this, imagine how well that went. Um, I like to take on impossible tasks. <laughs> well, the cool thing is it didn't last because no, it couldn't. It couldn't. Um, but then I, so I didn't really do that. I didn't have a chance to, but then I had a choice to lean into it because I, I felt you pulling me into that split. I didn't know these words yep. at the time, but it was intoxicating. The sense of being pulled into this parallel universe where, yep, you could have um, your, your, your life here with someone and your life with me and we'd both have the whole you. And again, this is an, it's, it's a deeply imaginal experience, yeah. right? It's, it's about splitting off, splitting yourself psychologically so that you can be good. Hmm. By what measure? The mono minds yeah. measure. Yep. And that's where the danger lies to me. And under all of this, so there's the bifurcated monogamy that I see. And I guess it could be trifurcated too. At some point, your calendar will yeah. fill up likely. Um, but, and bifurcated just means split in two, like your pants legs. Pants are a bifurcated garment. Yay, I finally, you talk about your physics you degree go. all the time. I never talk about my fashion your, uh... design degree. Um, so underneath the mono mind and delighting in the mono gaze and the bifurcated monogamy and the way you might imaginally split off these two worlds that can simultaneously exist and somehow you can be monogamous but not monogamous at the same time under all of that is probably some level of internalized polyphobia or um, the, the amazing researcher Amy Moores calls it um, internalized consensual non-monogamy negativity. I've been calling it internalized polyphobia for a few years. So I, I, I'm perfectly happy with whatever word you want to use. Maybe um, uh, CNM negativity might feel best to you. But the point the here is point it's is internalized. Mm -hmm. So I landed on internalized polyphobia because it, it reminds people of internalized homophobia. If somebody is experiencing internalized homophobia and they're gay, it's pretty fucking uncomfortable to exist in that reality. You experienced some of this as a I queer did. man. I, yep. I mean, so yeah. Who didn't know you were queer until you were 48. And so there were all these confusing uh, emotional and practical reactions to the world around me because... I didn't understand myself well enough to to understand what my authentic stance was. And this is interesting because the same thing happened with our relationship. So you started off saying, here I am, uh, apparently a very natural, naturally inclined, polyamorous thinking, non-monogamous based person. Um, with the, you know, trying to do this bifurcated monogamy. Those things don't line up. No. Nope. And it was really uncomfortable in so many different ways. But they will happen if internally you are, you are trapped in this. Internally, I accepted the shame. monogamous, um, the monogamous it's, lessons and messages of the culture so it's and stigma. said, oh, that's the right way. I have this other stance, but that one's the right way. And so then shame comes up for right. sure. Because, oh, I'm not world, like that, but I'm going to try to be like that. And, you know. Me. Out in the world, 
you you face we face stigma mm. we um queer people face stigma um non-monogamous people face stigma um minority groups of all of all kinds face stigma um hell majority groups who are just disliked to face stigma hence all of the racism going on in this ridiculous yeah. culture of ours there are When when stigma has taken root in the outer culture, it is a really good idea to look for what has happened with that stigma inside of us, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening. When, when stigma is happening out there, it is really easy to get scared to own our, our actual truth. And so if I am trying to unpack my monogamy and I'm trying to get clear with the fact that I... I I want non-monogamy. I'm leaning into it. I'm exploring. But all that monogamous shit keeps like scrambling back into my bag. <laughs> right. And the and the outside world is also doubling down on the idea that monogamy is correct and non-monogamy is not correct. Those messages don't stop because you've and that are they're infiltrating too because they're coming in through music and they're coming in through storylines and advertisements and imagery, right? So at an unconscious level, we're also being continually reinforced that um, monogamy and a mononormativity, mononormativity and a mononormativity, the the normal the normalizing of wanting a romantic relationship and all of these things, all of this 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 one true love story. All of that is constantly being supported and reinforced. So no wonder it's possible to de develop a really deep, but potentially completely unconscious and invisible, internalized sense of, uh-uh, I don't like that. No, no, no. Tisk tisk. Yeah, right. Lots of people participate in behaviors that they also find abhorrent, right? If you asked them whether they were okay with this behavior, they would not be okay with it. They would say they're not okay with it, but they participate in it. And a lot of us start unpacking that stuff and realize that it's a lot of work. So if you're struggling with feeling confl inner conflict about, is this okay? Is it okay for me to love more than one person? Is it okay for me to feel sexually attracted to more than one person? Is it okay for me to leave my partner at home and go out on a date? Is it okay for me to know that my partner is struggling with their stuff and I'm going to go keep my plans because I'm, I'm within my agreements. I am in integrity. If you're struggling, yeah, I totally get yep. why. And all of that is constantly reinforced by the fact that you're you're making a shift from this monogamous paradigm into a paradigm of multiplicity and paradigm shifts are big <laughs> like the the whole concept of a paradigm shift it is not it's not a decision you make one day and you you know you no, switch it isn't. Uh, flip a switch and like boom here you've arrived and it's not even just a set of behaviors like, okay, now you behave in this way. And so it's all changed. It is also this restructuring of your psychological self. And it's a, it's, it's this restructuring and it's something that in our culture you need to do consistently because of all of those messages that you were just describing, all the different ways that we are inundated by a different point of view. 
not just inundated, but um, strongly encouraged. Indoctrinated. Thank you. There it is. So even like, okay, I think I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm coming from right now. And tomorrow I'm going to spend the whole day being indoctrinated again. And I'm going to have to continue the work to maintain my point of view. It can be pretty hard. And one of the things that you said about um, the um, is the shame that can come up. Mm-hmm. And um, I am a big advocate for taking the things that produce shame and bringing them out to the light. Is there someone that you can talk to about it? Is there someone that you can say, hey, this is what's going on for me? Specifically in the realm of the thing that you think, you know, you're, you're worried you're not supposed to be doing. Talk about that. Right. And talk about it with people who aren't going to further undermine yes. you. Yes. And so creating Fine, a community yeah. around yourself, giving yourself spaces. And and this is what I know. Um, I, I know that it's my research has shown this. Other, other people's research has shown this time and time again, being in community with people who are authentically showing up to the paradigm shift that you are also embracing. That's... That is one of the most efficient ways to actually make the shift happen and and for it to stop hurting so yeah. much all the time. Because yeah. the bottom line is this stuff hurts. It, it doesn't feel good to feel that dissonance, right? It feels like grit in the gears. And I am totally okay with discomfort. I mean, you and I have our entire relationship is founded on the principle of growth over comfort, baby. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want that growth to hurt unnecessarily. Yeah. That do, like yeah. it doesn't mean and that it doesn't mean that I have to hurt and, it, and and pain does not mean better. No. Um it's not a requirement. It's just a focus. It's not even proof that the change is happening. No. So sometimes this internalized um non-monogamy negativity or polyphobia is really it becomes this self-flagellating act that I can participate in where I'm I am beating myself up on the one hand and playing on the other and it it's exhausting you're not alone if you're experiencing it I, I literally see it every single day and it does get better but it doesn't get better unless we talk about it and then we actually start like hauling it out into the light and saying oh wait I, I'm, I'm split here. I'm struggling. My parts, it w- decide what language you want to use. I, I tend to use the language of what I call the inner council. My inner council members are, are arguing about this. I have some who are very against it. Um, you can use parts language. You can talk about this with someone who understands that you might be experiencing a sense of misalignment internally. And if you can do that in community, all the better. All the better. We talk about this in the year of opening all the time. Um, it is. It's normal for us to be discussing the fact that it's. It's not a. It's not a shift that happens overnight. It is instead a consistent, transformative action to call yourself into the work and say, "Oh, that's me. I'm reinforcing. I'm reinforcing the idea that frequent conversation that monogamy is more correct, is more better." <laughs> and and I need to I need to name that so that I can untangle it so that I can return to my actual values and if there's a misalignment here for me if in fact I want monogamy 
then I need to figure out what that means exactly. Because if, if I'm out of alignment and I recognize that I do want monogamy, well, cool. How about, have you considered really conscious monogamy where you make that very, very clear? Because there are ways to take all the skills of non-monogamy. If you've been working on this for a while and you're like, I like a lot of it, but I have found a sort of monogamous core to me. Okay, well, let's talk about transfer of skills then. Because all of the things that you've learned here could transfer into a monogamous relationship. And then we need to find you the partner that's the right fit for that. Because it's not fair for anyone to force a relationship style on anyone else. And yet, sometimes that means we have to come to conscious endings. I say that because I don't think we say it enough. That it's okay for things to not move forward the way we thought. But it is definitely... they hardly ever do. That's true. Um, But it's definitely not okay to leave yourself in this place of trying to be diametrically opposed within mm, like your yeah. your psychology is not designed to do that it is your you are multifarious that's true and um sitting in the space of being diametrically opposed and in that tension every second of every day at a core level especially if it's happening in an unconscious level right the first thing we need to do is bring it into a conscious level because the tension of opposites when held in your consciousness can give birth to the third thing. That's the transcendent function at action, right? That is these two seemingly opposing forces have now birthed a thing I couldn't imagine existing before, but I have to haul it into conscious awareness. I can't just be acting it out unconsciously. So if you're currently acting this out, if you hear, if these patterns sounded familiar to you, I want to hear from you. This is the work. Um, the year of opening would be a good place for you. Um, I want you to know that you're not alone and that it's okay that this is taking time. And I want you to keep pulling this material out of the unconscious into conscious awareness so that you can begin to weave a life together where you feel a sense of integrity and wholeness. It will feel better. I So here mm-hmm. I am on the other side of... 11 more years of of work on this and it still creeps in but now I have tools to deal with it and one of the tools I have is conversations like this conversations with you conversations with you Ken but yes conversations with you who's listening right now when I have these conversations I remind myself that um, unpacking the mono mind is part of the work of of being a, a psychological uh, individuating human for me, just unpacking it over and over again. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Work isn't a bad thing. And it's even a little fun at this point. Oh, it, it, it's amazing. <laughs> the So that third thing, um, that thing that you don't know what it's going to be, it, it I love that. Like, where did that come from? Oh. It came from some things that I didn't know were there. I pulled them up and they, they made something else. Yeah, it can be so much fun. Yeah, if and if you don't really understand the, the transcendent function, because like not everybody cares about that, think about that game Little Alchemy that was uh, an app on the Oh, on, yeah, where you drop like lightning You'd... on mud and get life or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just like that. That's the transcendent yep. function in app form. <laughs> You're right, it is. Okay, so... 
I, if you are thinking about the year of opening, we are enrolling the January cohorts um, will start. Um, they're not going to enroll until December. So I suggest you get on the wait list right now. You can do that by going to theyearofopening.com. And if you're not sure where you are on your non-monogamy journey, then you can go to joliequiz.com. Find out where you are now. And then let's talk about what might be next for you. It might not be opening. It might be that your path is through another, up another mountain. That's fine too. Let's stay in the mystery together. Oh, yes. Awesome. There's no one right way to design your relationship. And lots of people, actually about 25%, according to a recent national survey, are interested in some type of open relationship. But how do you know if you are ready to open up happily? Not everyone is, and that's no problem. I've got a 60-second quiz that will give you the answer. And even better, you'll walk away with your next step, whether you're good to go or not so much when it comes to opening up. And this is no BuzzFeed nonsense. I personally designed this quiz from my years of academic research. Go to joliequiz.com that's j-o-l-i-q-u-i-z.com and find out if you're ready to open up happily and what to do if you are or if you're not